Hi, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to a special edition of DMN Spotlight On, and today it's Spotlight on Axiom, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Jordan Abbott, who's Head of Data Ethics at Axiom. Welcome, Jordan. Good morning, Kim. And you're calling in, I believe, from Arkansas. What's the weather like down there? <laughs> well, today we are in Little Rock, Arkansas. It, is, uh, it has been raining most of the day, but it's going to be in the 60s later this afternoon. Very the nice. Okay, so <laughs> our, our aim here is to shed some sunlight on the whole question of data privacy, especially in a post-GDPR world. That's what we're going to be talking about. But I think a good place to start for the listeners would be if you were to explain a little bit about where Axiom sits in the data ecosystem, what Axiom's primary concerns with data are. Well, sure, Kim. I think Axiom sits in the very center of the ad tech and martech ecosystem we are an information and data management company uh, that serves as the data foundation for the world's best marketers and what that means at least to me is that we take data that our clients have whether it's a first or first party second party or third party data we clean it up uh, we deduplicate it uh, we make it more accurate and usable and we also license uh, demographic data, lifestyle information data to our clients to help them identify their um, their best new customers and retain the ones they currently have. Um, I guess in short, uh, we help uh, our clients reach the intended uh, their intended audience, you know, wherever they're found across all consumer touch points. Very good. And just so we're quite clear, Axiom itself isn't executing campaigns. You're providing the data segments, audiences to the clients for them to execute. Would that be right? That's correct. We help our we help our clients facilitate their campaigns. We, uh, uh, in some instances, we uh, build and host uh, their databases, uh, and sometimes we uh, license uh, data to them. But they, the, the advertisers. Our clients, uh, the brands, are the ones that are uh, are executing the campaigns. We, Very good. We help facilitate that. Got it. Now, of course, we're living in uh, a GDPR world now. Things kind of got shaken up in data earlier this year with the uh, implementation of the European Union's uh, data regulation, which is quite sweeping. Is that something North American clients of yours are paying attention to? Does everyone now know about GDPR and what it means for them? I think if our clients did not know about GDPR prior to May 25th of this year, they sure as heck do now. Uh, it is uh, on everyone's uh, or at the top of everyone's mind. Uh, and it's probably uh, these last 18 months have been like a watershed of events uh, with GDPR uh, becoming uh, enforceable, with the Equifax security breach, uh, with uh, the uh, Facebook and Cambridge Analytica issues, uh, as well as the uh, recent passage of the California Consumer Privacy Act in June. I think all of our North American clients, especially in the United States, are very attuned of as to uh, GDPR and the you know what it requires in terms of, of uh, you know transparency 
access and accountability. And I believe it is, you know, it is uh, our, our clients and companies in the U.S. are fully expecting uh, a GDPR style law uh, or, or laws to be um, uh, considered here in the U.S. I think that surely has to be the trend. I mean, California may be out ahead of everyone else, but you've got to think where California has gone with its data regulation, other states will follow, which presents a really interesting challenge from my point of view because it's not enough just to check the boxes for GDPR or for, for the Californian uh, regulation. People should really be thinking about future-proofing. What do I need to do looking ahead to be able to cope as best as best I can with any kind of rational regulations which are coming down the road. Is that where people are finding themselves? I think they have to. I, and I, I don't think companies have really been doing a good job of that uh, to date. They have been managing to the particular law or regulation uh, that is currently in front of them, like GDPR, uh, now with the California Consumer Privacy Act. But just as you mentioned, Kim, uh, uh, New Jersey, uh, other states are considering uh, passing a California-style law. California is often the bell cow for for other states to adopt similar legislation. And I mentioned uh, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Vermont has indicated uh, its interest in doing something in this area. So we can expect um, that states and, and indeed uh, perhaps Congress uh, to consider a national privacy law. Just last week, I believe it was on Thursday, Senator Ron Wyden uh, uh, um, issued his draft of a uh, Consumer Data Protection Act, and it will be sweeping. It will be uh, is at least as comprehensive as the GDPR, uh, and it will include uh, uh, criminal penalties for chief executive officers uh, who have violated the statute. So that is uh, along the lines of GDPR, whereas GDPR had uh, uh, civil fines or monetary fines up yep. to 4% of a company's um, finances or financial revenues. Uh, this statute or a proposed bill could, uh, could impose uh, criminal penalties. But to your point as to how to future-proof uh, ourselves from data protection laws in the future, I think companies need to be thinking about an ethical data use framework uh, right. along the lines that Axiom has used uh, since the uh, 1990s with the appointment of our, uh, the world's first uh, chief privacy officer, Jennifer Barrett Glasgow, in 1991. At Axiom, and we've been evangelizing this with the Information Accountability Foundation and Marty Abrams for many, for several years now. We think it's important uh, to look at the entire uh, data lifecycle, uh, increase transparency at collection, um, understand how the data was uh, collected and the choices that the consumers uh, are given. We also believe that it's important, uh, like GDPR now requires, but we've been doing for many years, is to have a privacy impact assessment. Is the new use, is it novel? Uh, is it, it, will it solve the problem that you're trying to solve? Is it beneficial? 
uh, is it legal? Does it comply with law and uh, contracts? But at the end of the day, we've got to put the consumer at, at the forefront uh, of our data use. And that means, is the proposed use fair? We've got to, you know, innovation will always outstrip laws, whether it's GDPR, whether it's the California Consumer Privacy Act. But we've, so we've got to uh, think about the ethical use of, of data and make sure that we're treating consumers fairly and using data responsibly. We think that's the approach to future-proofing um, uh, data governance. That makes a lot of sense, of course, because as you say, the technology changes fast, what you're able to do changes fast. But if you start off from the consumer's perspective, in some ways that makes everything simple. And I guess we're talking about basic concepts like consent and permission. In other words, the consumer knows that you're gathering their data, they know what you're going to use it for, and they consent to that. And surely one of the benefits of this is that it's going to it's going to stop companies just collecting data for the sake of it and just having huge data pools they don't even know what it is or what they're going to use it for. Kim, I think you've hit on two interesting and very important points, and that is consent and the principle of data minimization. Uh, I'll first talk about data minimization. I, you know, I've long been a, um, you know, an advocate of only collecting uh, the data you need to accomplish your goal. And I think our, uh, our clients are starting to get that. Um, that serves a number of different purposes, but, you know, obviously it, uh, increases security. Certainly it, uh, uh, improves privacy. Um, uh, but it it just does it's overall a, a best practice data minimization with respect to consent um you know uh, consent is important but consent can be revoked we think mm -hmm. uh that uh it it's important to build trust uh, uh um from you know among consumers uh, you know and that is important or, or you can build trust through transparency, um, telling them what you're doing uh, with the data and why, you know, giving them choices like opt-out, for example, or opt-in with respect to certain sensitive information. But you also um, uh, demonstrate accountability and responsibility. And that means uh, proving that you are doing what you say you're doing. And I think that builds trust, and ultimately that is a much more sustainable than perhaps consent could be, particularly in in the digital market, uh, uh, digital space where it's so hard to get consent. Um, you know, given the size of our devices these days, and imagine the Internet of Things, you've got a little uh, a <laughs> yeah. little uh, piece of information. How are you going to provide that sort of uh, just-in-time notice that might that uh, some advocates might? Uh, uh, be advocating for. So yeah, it's, it's like these days. These days, you can't move without generating data. Yeah, that is absolutely uh, uh, true. And you know, the big data has you know historically been con uh, characterized uh, by the uh, volume of the data, the velocity of the data, and variety <laughs> of the data. And you know, so transparency on the front end is going to be crucial as we go forward. But it is also accountability, documenting uh, what you say you're going to do and being able to prove it 
uh, not only to uh, uh, regulators but consumers. Now, of course, first-party data lends itself to the kinds of uh, controls you're describing pretty well. And indeed, if a consumer goes to a store or a website of a brand they know, then simply by transacting with them, providing them with credit card information, maybe an email, whatever they need to do, they're expressing some trust. They know that brand. They know what they're doing. The whole other area, which you did touch on briefly, is the kind of data which brands like to use to supplement the first-party data. It's often called third-party data. You can collect it yourself from all kinds of sources, or you can buy it from, from data brokers. Now, that's where trust starts to get a bit strained, because just who are these people who are selling you the data? Is there a, an opportunity to, to kind of get our arms around this and to know where that third-party data is coming from and build up some trust with data providers? Uh, I think there is, Kim. Um, you know, Axiom it would be considered a uh, third-party data aggregator in uh, right. uh, many instances. We obtain our data from uh, publicly available sources, uh, from other uh, data suppliers. But I think it's all uh, – we've got to do a better job of education. Um, we, we've got to be uh, – uh, we've got to be more um, visible than we have in the past. We've never really tried to hide, and we're not ashamed of what we do. And uh, we shouldn't because we are uh, you know, helping our clients uh, deliver the right message to the right person at the right time. And that is a useful and beneficial um, use of data. data. And it should, uh, it should be allowed. It's a legitimate use. Uh, of data, um, but we've got to do a better um, job of explaining to uh, consumers and to regulators the benefits of third-party data, uh, and and that's uh, we've been Axiom has been on a uh, a, a long effort, a decades-long effort to educate regulators and consumers in the industry about what we do. I think with our recent acquisition by IPG, Interpublic Group, uh, it, we will have an even greater opportunity to uh, spread the message of, uh, of what Axiom does, what companies like Axiom does, and how we activate data. Uh, it will allow us to, uh, the acquisition will allow us to offer our products and services to IPGs, hundreds if not thousands of uh, clients, uh, and conversely allow IPG to introduce uh, their clients to new products and services that they uh, may not ha have um, uh, had access to before. We, you know, I'm thinking, and Axiom and IPG uh, thinks it's going to be a fantastic, a transformational development in our industry. Excellent. And as you say, good for everyone, good for the brands, good for the consumers. So a, a final question. Do you see uh, down the road an opportunity to have some standardized credentialing so that, in other words, people can tell the difference between uh, an axiom and your entirely reputable competitors in the space and maybe some data providers out there who aren't quite doing the job when it comes to security, privacy, and so on? You brought up a, a, a great new uh, thing that, it, that 
Axiom and others in our industry have uh, just announced. Uh, it's the uh, uh, the data transparency uh, label, uh, and it is intended uh, to uh, to be a quick and easy to understand method uh, or uh, disclosure of the source of the data, the type of the data, and uh, the uh, permissions and restrictions uh, incident or attached to that data. Uh, it's being developed um, uh, by the uh, IAB, uh, mm -hmm. and Axiom, and a number of other companies, and uh, we are excited about the opportunity uh, and the, uh, the benefits that this product uh, or this um, initiative uh, can bring. I think uh, the rollout is over the next few months, and I think it'll be quickly adopted and lead to a you know uh, to increase the integrity in the industry, and and also give a measure of trust uh, to our clients that the data that they're buying or or and licensing uh, is of high quality and ethically sourced, and uh, and will meet their needs. Excellent. Well, that sounds like uh, a very positive initiative, a safer, more secure, more transparent data environment, and it's something we'll be tracking very close as it rolls out. Jordan, thanks so much for uh, joining us today and sharing your insights. You're very welcome.